Okay, so we've been doing a message, uh, we're kind of in a series a little bit on the heart of Jesus. So I just want to talk tonight, continuing on what was going on last week. If you were here last week, awesome. If not, I'll summarize a little bit. But, oh man, everything is found in the heart of Jesus, amen? Like, uh, I'm really excited. I love to talk about, you know, little prophetic words here and there and stuff. But I think, I hope you're picking up that we're like obsessed with uh, keeping like the main thing the main thing, you know. Like we believe that there's like a, an earth changing, like, like, uh, woo, like, like uh, awareness of, of reality, of a shift that's going on, but it's all going to be around the heart of Jesus. So it's not going to be some like crazy, like new, uh, you know, secret that we figured out, right? <laughs> the mystic secret. I mean, it was a secret, and a lot of times when you get, when you finally get it, when the gospel clicks, you're like, how come this has been a secret my whole life? You know, no one told me it was this good. Like, no one told me there was this much, woo, like, shh. Like, all the colors are brighter, you know, and everything's clearer. And you're, yeah, 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 that's what we're talking about. You know, uh, if, oh, Jesus. Man, if you haven't felt that and you ever listen to this recording, just take it right now. Because honestly, one of the things I always say is like, you know, meeting Jesus, it's like if I could just explain to people how I feel or let them feel what I feel for a day, like they'd never doubt again. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, woo, there's that much juice on this gospel. There's so much in the heart of Jesus. And so we're just, you know, we might seem like a fringe group, you know, like a lot of people still like are weirded out by us. But all I know is like it just uh, we're just focusing on the main thing, you know. Like, I'm this drunk because I read my Bible. Like, I'm this drunk because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm this weird because God is weird to the carnal mind, you know? God is weird to the carnal mind. But, I mean, he came incarnationally, and so we don't always have to just try to, like, you know, blow someone away with manifestations right away. There's however God wants to do it. But, anyway, it's the main thing. So, so the heart of Jesus, guys... Uh, Last week we were just wrecked by um, basically just enlightenment. Um, we just kind of focused on enlightenment, <laughs> a word that the church is a little freaked out by, but we kind of walked through how um, we never really got past it because the Holy Spirit was kind of emphasizing things, and uh, it's just wild. But uh, the, I, I'm just going to jump right back into that flow, okay, right back into that stream of what, we, what we've been talking about. And and what I wanted to kind of go through in this series is literally, um, I mean, this is, this is an endless subject. So like I said last week, forgive me if I don't touch on everything in the heart of Jesus, okay? <laughs> but last week I wanted to go through like, what are, why did Jesus come? Because it's a big question. Um, we're talking about worldwide enlightenment. There's a lot of people that are touching on different things, but if you don't understand why Jesus came, it's going to be hard to really relate or understand, you know. And then, you know, as we discuss why Jesus came, we just want to discuss, like, just who is Jesus and what is in his heart. Like, um, I was going to call this mes- message is like Christology, um, and that is a term you should be a little familiar with. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you do, but... Uh, I was going to call it Christology, and then the Lord woke me up and just kept giving me that phrase, the heart of Jesus. Like, I just want you to feel the heart of Jesus, you know. Um, but we talked about last week how it was like, 
you know, uh, all of us charismatics or whatever, it's awesome to go crazy in the spirit and to be wild. But also, like, you can be the most genius, like, um, God is omniscient, omniscience, like, aware of so, I mean, so much and able to process. I mean, literally, in your, in your divine nature, you can process and, and be aware of everything. <laughs> everything that is, you know. So we're not, like, opposed to, oh, he's got too much information, you know. If you only rely on your intellect, there's a problem, you know, and it does come spirit first, spirit through your mind. Like, the mind is a wonderful servant, terrible master. But it's okay to know Christology. And it's okay, literally, to be super familiar because, let let me just read the phrase. I'm just giving you a summary again of what we said last week. I know it. Because I feel like with a lot of our backgrounds, it, it depends on where you're at. But if I don't share this, it's hard to receive the rest of it, you know, sometimes. But. We talked about uh, Christology, and I said, I only care about theology, teaching, or doctrine for one reason, okay? One reason, because it gives you constant confidence to remain in the experience of the glory. Um, In reality, like, there is no separation between experience and theology, because you're basically, you're either basing it, you know, on some form, they're all, they're all just what you've experienced of God, or what you know to be true of God, right? And uh, um, so theology is best experienced first and understood later. But when you have language and when you see how it connects with Scripture and the, and the church historically, then when people come to oppose you or your own thoughts oppose you or you're, you're in confusion or there's like a confusing thought, you have so much clarity because you know how to communicate it, even if it's just to yourself or to other people. You have, when, uh, you know, we have all these wild experiences, but there comes a point where you have understanding of what happened to you, who you were experiencing, who you're talking to, right? And that understanding or experiences of God is often called theology. If it's just someone else's information that you're repeating, it's useless to you. But there comes a, a, a time where you want to be able to, even if it's just to say to yourself with clarity, why did Jesus come? You know, why do I worship Jesus? Like, well, um, I mean, so many people, the majority of the people that ever live just do what they do because their parents or friends do it, right? And that's okay, maybe at some level, but you're never going to have confidence to remain in the experience of the glory, especially because the glory is so wild to our understanding that we grew up with or whatever, to the carnal mind, that unless you have understanding for why you're doing what you're doing when the winds come or the shaking come or testing comes you're just going to just do whatever who knows what confusion will come right so one of the prayers in in the scripture is that you would come to a full understanding no longer being tossed back and forth by the waves and so understanding is so key it's so good, and uh, we've been growing in it. As a church worldwide, there's been that evolution we talked about last week, an evolution going on, um, because honestly, like, people are leaving the church by the droves, and I don't blame them, because there's so many things that weren't really Jesus going on there. It's just structures, man-made things, routines, rituals, or even just like, you know, or do-it-yourself, like, you know, programs, like trying to clean yourself up. You can do it for five or ten years, but after a while you just burn out. There's going to be no way to sustain anything, and call it Christianity or just call it being a spiritual person, like there's no way to sustain it. In, in pure love and joy and peace without a firm understanding of the person of Jesus. Woo! 
not just understanding, but experience and understanding linked, like it all, the whole package of Jesus Christ. Like, he's not just, oh, well, you believe in Jesus and I believe in this. Like, uh, whoa, <laughs> I know we're like becoming more open than ever before to dialogues and just interchange and not having a problem with people from any background. But there comes a point in time where, I, and I've said this before, even if you don't know the name Jesus, because it's not even necessarily just, I could know Brian maybe without knowing his name, but if I don't come to a full like, experience and understanding of who Brian is, I'm not going to be able to experience the fruit of his life, the benefit of having a relationship with him. And so, ha ha, everybody wants a relationship with God, like everybody does. The desire, Jesus, the desire of the nations, you know. Um, whoa, and so Jesus stepped into time and, uh, and, and gives us like unfolding depths of clarity, not like a, there's no confusion. That Jesus came to end the confusion, amen? Like, woo, if you still feel confused in any area of your life, Jesus really is the answer, not just in theory in Sunday school, but there's actually a clarity that will come by, by having revelation of him. And so I'm like, I'm passionate because I see there really are so few people focusing on Jesus and the glory of Jesus right now. Like, there's a lot of talk about it, but it's usually, like, just so we can get on to what we really wanted to talk about, which is some side issue or offerings or building the ministry or getting more evangelism done or doing better worship. Cool, all all of that. But when the understanding of Jesus is living within you and flowing, all that other stuff just falls into place, you know? When you feel the living, breathing presence of God, then you, get, then you will live and act like God. And so, woo! <laughs> so, we, we talked last week, we only got into the first one, part of it, which I believe is huge and very misunderstood in the church today, is the fact that Jesus came for enlightenment. Or as John 1 says, he was the true light that came into the world to enlighten every man. Like, it's so weird that enlightenment, a lot of Christians will, like, shy away when you just say that. But I honestly believe through study of ongoing, like, just peering into Jesus Christ himself, that he came for the very fact of enlightenment. It's, like, pretty much one of the primary reasons. Why do I say enlightenment? Because I want to shift our focus. And I believe there is a global shift going on right now concerning the person of Jesus from Jesus coming as a sacrifice or a blood payment Those were maybe okay and have some minor place in this thing. But really, and let me put that in perspective. God didn't have a problem with you. He came, he made you because he likes you and he never rescinded his statement that you are good. God never said, and then he looked at the earth and said it was bad. Now there were some troubles that went on, right? And, and you read a lot of that through the Old Covenant. But as I preached recently, like so much of the Old Testament was God attempting to interact in the reality that we created. Not, none of it was really his desire. From the beginning, he said, it is good. And after, you, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the next day, God showed up. Adam did it. And we flipped those around. We, we have acted as if God didn't show up, but Adam was there saying, where are you, God? Like, why did you leave me? No, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so this whole, I'm just more convinced than ever that this whole um, picture of Jesus coming as a blood sacrifice or as some sort of appeasement to get God to return to us is the absolute shift that happened in the fall. It's like the absolute antithesis of everything Jesus was actually about. 
And so to maintain those mindsets regarding Jesus is what causes so many people to never want to have anything to do with God. Because they're like, if you couldn't love me at my worst, then why, why should I come and try to trust in you in order to get something else? And it only puts, it, the only fruit of that belief is works. And that's why there's so many people that, why, I mean, they can imagine themselves being a better father than God the Father. Right? Well, I could be a better father than that. You know, because of these pictures we've painted. Or, or I, won't, I don't even want to try because why should I be the one that, ha- like, oftentimes we feel like I have to be the one that believes in God before he'll believe in me. It's that whole reverse. You know what I mean? It's like, here's the God of unconditional love, but if you don't find a way to trust in him, he's going to torment you forever. Well, good thing Jesus stepped in and paid this sacrifice and did this blood thing so that now the anger of God is kind of like looked over somewhere else. But then it's still weird because what healthy person has to kill someone in order to forgive? So there's all these... What I want to present, and I believe in our, in our Christology, it might be a shift. Like, there might not be a lot of theologians that agree with me right now, but there is a growing number. But what I want to present is that Jesus came instead to enlighten us to the fact that, we were, that he never left us. Can you see that shift? Instead of Jesus coming so that God could return to the planet, Jesus actually came because we were so confused that he brought light to the fact that God was here all along. So he came for enlightenment. Woo! Oh, it's so good, guys. It's so... Now, you'll find in the study, like, I've been, I've been experiencing a number of Eastern guys. In fact, like, the Eastern Orthodox Church has, has adopted a view similar to this for a long time. And, uh, and this is something, you know, Andre Rabe, Francois, a lot of our friends, you know, Crowder, all these guys are, are sharing this. And... Uh, I went and literally looked, you know, into it for myself for quite some time before just, you know, jumping on the bandwagon. I believe now, especially after watching human behavior and watching the shift, that when you move from instead Jesus coming primarily as a sacrifice or to appease anger or to stop the wrath of God, when you move from that over to Jesus came to enlighten us, it's so different. And what it does to people's hearts and how it unlocks their ability to trust it's, it's dynamic. It's amazing. And I've just seen it in my own life. I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that Jesus didn't die on the cross, but why did Jesus die on the cross? What was in his heart? You know, was he, was he coming to, or, or like, you know, like Andre says, and you've heard me say it before, like, was he coming to uh, stop the angry deity or, or were we the angry deities that needed appeased at the cross? Was it us that were so uh, confused and tormented and really we demanded almost like to put our sin on something? You know, even if you study like the Old Testament in the, the temple, a lot of times we think, oh, well, they had to wash themselves and do all these ceremonial things and cover themselves in blood before they could approach the presence. But what if that wasn't because God was trying to show how separate he is, but because he, he knew that we felt so guilty that unless we put our guilt on something else, we wouldn't allow ourselves to approach the presence. And how many times have you seen that in your own life? Like, it's what it says in First John that uh, our hearts condemn us, right? It says God is greater than our hearts because God, God is able to literally forget your sin. In fact, forgave it before it happened. 
But we have a problem forgiving ourselves. And we have a problem, uh, we, it's the scapegoat thing. We have to put our sin, we have to point it at someone, at something. And so Jesus came and said, I will enter your system. Listen, every religion throughout history has created a system of sacrifice, right? They're always sacrificing children. They're always sacrificing things on, on these altars. That's man's fallen understanding of what a God would need. Because we're so confused in the fall. Again, what happened at the fall? Not God leaving. We fell in our minds. So Colossians 1 says. It's a difference. And so instead of being, and this is one of the things I keep saying lately, like I want to detox us from all the folk religions, from all the myths, from all the animistic practices of what man creates in his sense of like saying, here's how, how all our services and rituals should look. No, that's the church has bought into that exact same thing for so long that they don't see any different fruit than some tribe in Africa that's sacrificing and cutting people and doing blood. It's the same amount of fruit because it operates in the same spirit. Instead of that, Jesus saw how we interacted, what our tendencies were, and he entered in and said, fine, like, I do see that you have to put your guilt on something, so I will allow you to put it on me. I'll allow you to scapegoat me but th- so that I can be the last scapegoat, the last sacrifice, so that you will f- finally and firmly be able to approach with, forever without having to do, do, do all the time in order to feel accepted and loved. Put it all on me once and for all. Listen, I'm God. Maybe if God comes as your sacrifice, you'll finally be able to forgive yourself. You'll finally be able to put yourself in that place where you receive uh, free love, free grace, where you'll receive it. It's so good, guys. It's so good. This is what the gospel enlightens your eyes to. Notice the difference when you hear the kingdom of heaven is at hand now. You don't see it as something that was far away coming down, but you see Jesus simply saying, Listen, it's all been here the whole time. I came to enlighten you to what has always been. And it puts a picture of a God that doesn't demand something of you before he gives you the things that he created you to have anyways. This is the difference. And when when I started to get this gospel, I got so jacked up. And the message I was saying was so different that, I mean, people sent letters out to this whole city warning them about me. It was so different. This message, it, you might be like, oh, that's cool. And I'm not trying to be different. I'm just saying like, there's a, you know, for me, I, I noticed that something isn't quite clicking in the world. So if we're going to keep doing business as usual, something has to shift. And after continually just listening to Holy Spirit, finally, you know, someone shared the gospel with me and it clicked for me. And it was like my life was wrecked and I began to see all the things that I was trying to get and trying to see changes, worldwide changes, love and, and glory and miracles, all that stuff just began to flow effortlessly at the shift of this message. And so a lot of that happened in experience and only now am I getting the language for it. You know what I mean? Only now am I getting the understanding. But I, I believe that as we have clarity on this, the, the clearer that it comes to us, the easier it's going to be for everyone around us to just click like dominoes because this message is beginning to make so much sense. Like, 
It actually is like, oh my God, like this book, the Bible isn't just a bunch of religious mumbo jumbo that puts me to sleep, you know? Like when you begin to see the thread, the scarlet thread going through the whole Bible of Jesus Christ, it's like, oh man, like I actually like understand why I'm here and why you're here and how to love and like how, how this can flow. It's like the finished work of Christ actually like makes things make sense. So, I want to, you know, that's just a summary of last week's message. <laughs> but, uh, but number one is saying, I believe in our understanding of the heart of Jesus, that he came to be the light, to show you what's always been here, what's always been true about God. What's amazing about Jesus is he reveals, in la- last week we kind of focused on this first part, where he reveals everything that's true about God. But he also reveals everything that's always been true about you. So in this enlightenment, that's what brings that clarity. In this true enlightenment, the light. What's so cool about that verse is maybe you're still confused tonight or listening to this message online somewhere. The, the, the chapter, First John promises that he was the light that came to bring light to all men. So if anyone gets it, then you can get it. That Jesus succeeded in bringing that light and Holy Spirit is awakening or bringing to your remembrance what already happened. So, good news, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you, Mr. Schiltz. Love you. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm just so jacked up, guys, on the enlightenment. Like, see, let Jesus reveal to you. He reveals. If if you ever had questions, there's so many questions when you read the Bible, but the answers are always found in the person of Jesus. A lot of, you're like, what about the prophetic? Well, Jesus is the final word. Well, what about worship? Jesus is your worship. What about prayer? He forever lives to make intercession. What about this? What about, well, what about when I feel guilty because I messed up? He's the eternal sacrifice that allows you to put to your guilt on that scapegoat. Like, what, what about in my relationships? He preserved a perfect relationship for you. You know, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. So many questions. People are like, what about Job? Job was the question. Jesus is an answer. So many things like that, you know. You know, like, like Bill Johnson always says, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. But then we're so quick to move on to something else, you know. So, woo, just have a drink. I mean, I'm so drunk right now in the presence of God. Like, ho, 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 ho. Jesus revealing that you are inseparably united. God and man, fully and inseparably united. Oh, ho, ho. right now. Here we are. Have a drink of that. Okay. So, we talked about the compassion of God revealed, the, the, your compassion, your, your true nature revealed. Uh, revelation comes by light, comes by enlightenment, comes by the light. Uh, <laughs> so, that's a cool one. So, so let, let me move on. Let me start with something else. Is that okay? Can we, can we keep just peering into this man? Is that all right? Yeah. You think this will bear fruit in your life? Like, do you think actually... Like maybe, like knowing Jesus might bear fruit. Oh, okay, I want to talk tonight. The next one, and I'll just summarize it as, as this. The first thing I was focusing on is enlightenment. The second one I just want to focus on is perfect healing. Woo! 
Now, this is something in our, in our Pentecostal and charismatic churches. We've actually had a little bit of revy on perfect healing, and I thank God for that, right? A lot of times the same church that will believe you're perfectly healed, they can't believe that you're like perfectly, you know, sanctified or whatever. But there's been a revelation on healing. And I just, it, but that word healing, I, I mean, it means healed in every way, right? Healed in every sort of possible way. Woo! And this is where, now the reason I started with enlightenment first is because I believe as the light shines, then the healing manifests or the healing is revealed, right? So, wow, it's like, it's like a, how, how did Jesus cause perfect sanctification in my heart? Because that's what we're going to talk about here. How does Jesus cause perfect sanctification in my heart? By revealing how I've always been one with him and always, he's always been perfectly in love with me. When that revelation comes by the true light, something clicks inside of us that was always meant to click. And that's when sanctification, healing, deliverance, everything, the full package comes as one. Woo! And all that stuff that we were hoping and waiting to see. So that's why I wanted to start with enlightenment and move through here to come into healing. Okay, so, but how did he heal? Um, Wow. Even though it might appear like it's still manifesting to us, in fact, it's objectively once for all already happened. So what, here's, here's what I had written. Jesus came to accomplish perfect healing because he accomplished something. Jesus Christ accomplished something objectively for all humanity, therefore all the cosmos. Sin was like a cancer that could not be stopped by any effort. Sin was a governing entity due to unenlightenment. But Christ healed the whole cosmos. Or the whole universe. People don't like that word, though. Let's not use that word. Yeah, the multiverse. Anything. Jesus healed everything. Anything. Accomplished objectively. Right? And you know the difference between an objective reality and a subjective? Objectively, which is the truth... Subjective is everyone's opinions of the truth. <laughs> a lot of times we focused on subjective revelation. We're like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. We're like, the objective doesn't seem true to me now, so I'm going to focus on my opinion of what feels true. Now, Jesus cares about your subjective reality, but it, he doesn't care about it so much that he allows it to change objective reality. Although he dignified you so much that it, it feels pretty close. <laughs> but 1 Peter 2, 24 to 25, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now, have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. Woo! A lot of times we, we've focused, you know, in the, in the charismatic church on by his wounds you were healed. And, and praise God, like that does include it all. But we usually think it sounds, it's just talking about physical sickness. But it, before and after, it says, firstly, it says he himself bore our sins in his body. So it's obviously talking about sin. So that means he's perfectly healed every sin issue. Woo! And afterward, it says, you have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. So anybody that says, well, my spirit's saved, but my soul's not saved, didn't read the context. He's perfectly healed your soul. That's so good, right? 
Soul salvation is endless. Come on. That means any time you felt like you weren't able to love, that was an illusion. You are able, you are so able. Any issue you felt like just can't overcome, just take it right now. This is the truth. He defeated sin, sickness, and death. His stripes healed in every area. And we focused a lot on this. You know, I have a message called Evil Free Existence. But, uh, whoa. It, it cuts down on this process. You know, even as you study Christ, as you look at what Christ has done, even on that cross. You know, the cross, a lot of people say, well, there's still physical things that happen so God can teach you something. No, if you look at this cross and him as the vicarious man, you realize that he was wounded for you. There's passages that say, you know, people misinterpret like in Hebrews where it makes it sound like God's going to like break your leg in order to teach you something. No, Jesus' body was broken so that you never have to be broken. Right? It removes all of this confusion that most folk religions are based on. And you'll find yourself, if you're not walking in a clear revelation of Christ, always reverting to the way that seems right to a man, which is process theology. Or process, or well, th- these bad things are happening to me just so that I can learn something. Listen, that co- totally negates what happened on the cross. Totally negates it. Listen, you go through testings and trials, but testings and trials are there to reveal how perfect you already are. Not to make you perfect. It's like refining gold. Refining gold only removes what wasn't gold so the gold shines out. It doesn't actually make gold better. Right? Gold is gold. The element of gold is what it is. Just like you are who you are, no matter what. Jesus Christ came to be crushed in that way so that every way that you may have like, thought that you needed crushing or that you needed in order to you know, uh, uh, grow more into healing, that all of that could be accomplished in one fell swoop. Woo, woo, woo. So there's a lot, you know... Uh, Another place in Hebrews, it says, so that none of your bones will be broken. You know, (laughs) the nails went through his hands so that the nails don't go through yours. They did go through yours vicariously at that time, right? Or it's appointed to a man wants to die and then face the judgment. We should probably look at that. Let me get that one out. It's in Hebrews. I I wasn't going to pull this out. Let's see if any of you are faster than me. Uh, Hebrews, where does it say appointed to a man once? Come on, all you old Baptists. There we go. Baptist boy over here. Because it's the favorite street corner condemnation verse, you know. It's like, well, brother, you're going to die. Are you ready? Are you ready to die tonight? It's like there's nothing about that that has anything to do with Jesus. (laughs) It's like nothing of the gospel there, right? Are you ready to die tonight? What if you died and met Jesus? Okay, you're using fear-based. You're talking about death. All this stuff has nothing to do with the gospel. I mean, I, I love their heart. I've done it. I've done a lot of weird, you know, weird things. I found myself in strange places wanting to please God. You got it already, uh, Jared? Okay. Me either. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Perfect healing. Perfect healing in this room right now. Woo, 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 woo. Uh, perfect
perfect healing means way more than just, you know, you had something wrong and it got better. I'm talking about being able to walk in, in a glorified body. A, glor- a glorified. Can I get a witness? Oh, my Jesus. Okay, I'm almost there. Uh, I'm, I'm almost I'm almost there. Oh my goodness. Wait, I was so close. Look. So close. All right, I'm here. I'm here. Thank you though. Thank you. Okay, Lord. Let's read this in context. Is it okay if we read some scriptures in context? Is that all right? Um just pray for me to less glory so I'm able to read uh, um Okay. But now he has appeared once for all <laughs> at the consummation of the ages. Wow. To put away sin by his sacrifice. Uh-huh. Just as men are appointed to die once and face the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of of the many. So to those who eagerly await him, he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. So it's all in the context. When we quote that, a lot of times we're trying to say, well, are you ready to die so you can face the judgment? But the context here is that once for all, Christ died at the consummation of the ages. He, it says, now he has appeared once for all at the consummation of the ages to put away sin by his sacrifice as man is appointed to die once and face the judgment so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of the many thank you lord it's good to read a verse every now and then just to uh, get to the reading but so that you you understand like the consequences the wages of sin was what so if sin has been eradicated, then what's also been eradicated? So what lives in its place? Perfect white-hot purity and everlasting eternal life. Thank you, Lord. This is what we're seeing, guys. This is what we're feeling through our veins. Like Some people are like, I'm not sure what your message is. No, it's usually because you're just so weirded out by the fact that I'm happy. But I'm just preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's simple, right? It seems like, whoa! seems like it would be simple, but it doesn't make sense to our folk religious mind. It will not make sense to the natural mind. It will not make sense to the, the mythology that you so like because they talk about angels and elves and stuff I like elves I mean I ain't got nothing wrong with angels but your perfect healing has been accomplished you don't have to take the potion you know what I mean you don't have to use oil it's another another folk religious thing one verse on oil and we all get sidetracked for decades about oil well, get the elders and the oil out. Yeah, cool. There is some interesting things to study there. But if Jesus Christ hasn't healed us all, I don't think your oil is going to finish the job. 
You know what I mean? Uh, I just want to give you security in your heart. You know what I mean? This message allows you to rest at night. You know what I mean? Like it'll allow you to get, get good sleep. You know? Knowing that everything is taken care of. Not because a a good motivational speaker told you. But it's the eternal gospel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I want to move on to this. this, uh, this, uh, I'm just going to move through a few more, right? Because the first couple are kind of the big ones. To, To bring light and to bring healing is like pretty much sums it up. You know what I mean? But there's some other ways he can describe it. In fact, there's endless ways. The third one I wanted to focus on is he came as the vicarious man. We've talked about that before. But become familiar with that idea. It'll help you a lot. He came as the vicarious man. He experienced death for us. Right? He was even baptized for us. You know, that one always confuses people. Why was Jesus baptized? Like if baptism is for the remission of sin, then why was Jesus baptized? He who had no sin. Because he was doing something as someone else. Love you guys. Woo, 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 woo. Bless you. He was doing something not as himself. He was doing it. His whole life was once for all. This is why we talked about recently that your intimacy is not even your own. Having your own intimacy on one level is cool because obviously it's weird to think about someone else like making out with your spouse or something. You know, that's a bit odd. But our relationship is, is so multifaceted, so corporate that it can't be broken down into just some of those, you know, every analogy does break down when it's related to God. Even when you're talking about, oh, well, I'm, I'm just into the bridal thing with God. You know, I'm so in love. Well, ultimately, you're going to find a place where your relationship with God even far exceeds any possible marriage relationship. You know what I mean? Where, you know, well, Jesus is my brother. Listen, there comes a place where it's so much greater than that, right? In every, in every place. So, but even, even in that sense of your own intimacy, that's an amazing thing. But even that, is so is even it's even blows that away. You know what I mean? <laughs> Your own intimacy is unchanging. Come on, uh, us Holy Spirit Church people need to hear that because at any moment in time you can simply receive and enter into the very fullness of the intimacy that the Father, Son, and Spirit have always been having. Instead of putting yourself back, well, I'm going to have to start over at square one. Well, I spent a year running from God. I'm going to have to start over. No, it's good news that that moment again that your heart is receiving the revelation of Holy Spirit, you can literally enter into an eternal depth of intimacy. And find yourself like, people are like, wow, you have so much revelation. You've only been a believer two, two months. It's like, well, a true believer can enter into omniscient, omnipotent like revelation in an instant. So you're like, Wow, I thought I had to progress and process. No, if it was your own intimacy, you'd have to spend years developing it, just like you do in a lot of, you know, you felt like you had to do. But if you have a vicarious intimacy, then the prayer of John 17 that says that they would be one as we are one, that they, I in them and them in me, that the glory I had from, from the beginning, before the worlds were, I want them included in that. That's the, that revelation will bring this acceleration that we're wanting to see, right? 
It's like, well, how are we going to do this? Like a lot of these guys are just starting out or something, you know. It's going to take a really long time. No, you understand the vicarious man and it all can come, dude. Uh, This is how and why Hebrews says, they shall all know me from the very least to the greatest. Right? They will all know me. No more knowing God conferences. I mean, it's okay to have those. I'll be honest, like if you're just exploring what's already there. If it's more like a school of remembering or something, you know what I mean? If it's just remembering, oh, that's what's always been going on inside me. That's a, but all this idea of trying to develop that, woo, 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 Dude, the vicarious man is also the revelation that brings us healing of our past. Healing from our past. Why? Because if you find yourself in Christ, you can discover your alternative everything, including your alternative past. All of those things that you thought happened to you, you can go back and see what, where was Jesus, what was happening to Jesus, how would Jesus perceive that at that time, right? An alternative memory, an alternative, literally when he remembers your sins no more, there's a place where you can remember your sins no more, where you can remember even, you can forget who sinned against you. And it's not devaluing that because Jesus lived through that with you. This is one thing that Andre explains really well. Like, there, it's like some people are like, I don't want to let go of my past. That was an important thing to me. I value that. Jesus is like, I value that too. And I lived it with you. Like I was there. When you were hurt, I was hurt. But I also had a completely different experience in that time that I want to let you in on. I was in on yours. Now I want to let you in on mine. How I was glorified at the right hand. How I was walking in eternal power. How they could never touch me. How they never stopped me. How all I felt toward them at that time was compassion for a child that was, that was you know, misbehaving. To enter into it. Dude, there's unfolding depths in Christ as the vicarious man. I mean, that's the way to live jacked up all the time too, right? Remembering no sins. Remembering your, your consciousness. It's Christ's consciousness. What is, not what I, am I experiencing today? What am I and Christ experiencing? What, what is, what is God seeing? This is the way that we perceive from the place of God as God. Not just what Christ did as us in his life 2,000 years ago, but then also vicariously, the life that we are living as him and him as us even now. Past, present, future reality of being enveloped in him. It doesn't just mean, oh, we get a few goosebumps when we realize Holy Spirit's here. Like, no, like your past, present, and future are shifted into a completely different world. Where Paul said that the sufferings of that age weren't even worthy to be compared with the glory that was being revealed. What glory? The glory of Jesus Christ. The glory of the man Jesus it all comes by that guys like so yeah that's just that's another fun one (laughs) so far we just just you know been walking through some of the things that were in the heart of Jesus why he came right we talked about enlightenment we talked about perfect healing now we just talked about the vicarious man All right, I'm, gonna, I'm just kind of speeding through these last ones because like I said, the first two kind of summed it up. But the fourth one I wanted to mention was that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> so revelation of Jesus Christ 
moves us into such a realm when it comes to spiritual warfare that's totally different than the folk religions we've been a part of. Okay, like I said recently, I'm going to be hitting on things that are going to de-Pentecostalize you a little bit. Deliver you from Pentecostalism or whatever. No, we want to take the good things from that, but we also want to acknowledge, as a lot of you have been hearing, like there's one thing to live in Pentecost, but it's another thing to live in tabernacles, right? Pentecost speaks of a continual anointing that you need to get over and over again, like the leaky vessels revelation you probably heard from a lot of people. Tabernacles speaks of a fullness, an unending portion that doesn't, you don't have to go to the meetings to get filled up anymore. You realize that the tabernacle of God is with men. Right? But one of the things that the, the Pentecostal thing has, has often focused on is they're con- trying to continue to destroy the works of the devil rather than seeing that Jesus Christ destroyed the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. This is why the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So if he came and he did a perfect work, they must be perfectly destroyed. Am I right? Well, that hasn't been my experience. Fine, you can rewrite the Bible if you want to. (laughs) Let me read you another one. John chapter 12. This has been revolutionary. I only discovered this one like a couple years ago. I I was like, I think I completely forgot about this passage because no one ever preaches on it because it doesn't really fit our experience most times. Let me read this. John 12, 27. Talking about destroying the works of the devil. (laughs) John 12, 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this very purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it, and some said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has, not come, for, has come for your sake, not mine. So the Father spoke from heaven like a thunder that people heard to share this point, to share this. This voice came for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Woo! So when is the judgment? Now, 2,000 years ago. Jesus said now. Then he says, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So where's the, in in other places it says that Satan is the ruler of this age, the ruler of this world. In this passage, though Jesus says, at this point in time, now, at this point in history, the ruler of this world is cast out. Woo! Dang. And he says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, meaning when he was up on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. My God. I mean, this is like a finished works champion verse here, dude. He said, the judgment of this world... The defeat of Satan and all people being drawn to God are going to happen at that time. (laughs) Well, brother, yeah, well, we believe in the kingdom now, but not yet. No, nowhere else does it say that this was going to happen at a future time. He didn't say, he didn't say now and not yet is the judgment of this world. Because this is what you hear, this is like in, in, in a, I don't want to name the denominations, but in a number of like very prominent denominations that you guys have been connected with, they're all about the kingdom now and not yet. Which means, well, we have to believe these verses in the scriptures, so we'll say that they're true, and then we'll put a qualifier afterward. And that's what we so often do. That, that's how you know when, when you're reading a verse and you want to qualify it later because of your experience, 
That's how you know you're going back to folk religions. Or, you know, in your own, in your own mindset, it's like you want to do that when your experience doesn't line up with basically how good this is. It's so good. I know it's scandalous, but it feels so good. <laughs> He's breaking off our mindsets, not, not to put us into a worse place, but because there's life and life abundantly in that. God's only going to scandalize your belief when he has something better than that. It's only scandalizing you to reveal something greater, right? So he says, now is the judgment. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Oh my goodness. Woo! Now I believe uh, in, in a lot of these passages, and it even talks about uh, devils or Satan. So, some of us are on a journey where we're looking at that and seeing the root word of both of those words is accusation, which really has root in the law. So just like Jesus fulfilled the law, that may have been even part of, you know, fully what he was referring to at the defeat of Satan, the accuser, right? For, for all we know, most of our Satan theology is based on like two verses that one of them could have been referring to the king of Tyre. You know, in fact, it was literally said, this is the king of Tyre. And we like changed it to say, well, this must have been referring to Satan. I mean, there's a very little Satan theology, Okay, even when it talks about principalities and powers. Listen, those words are kind of weird. They can also be translated like principles. You know what I mean? No, seriously, like the principles that were based on the law. So I'm not saying I know, like, what I, what I, where I've kind of landed, I'll just be honest with you. I know I'm on record here. But where I've kind of landed is there may be a Satan. There may be devils that we in our godlike state created because we demanded devils, basically. Woo! But let me tell you, whichever place that you come from, whether you believe they're just the accusation or they're a literal capital A accuser, this verse says that Jesus came to destroy them all. Woo! So, oh, well, these people don't believe in devils anymore. Listen, whether you believe in devils or principalities or principles, accusations or the accuser, Christ is all in all. Amen? Like, can we agree, if we disagree on some of those things that we're all learning and growing in, can we at least agree that Jesus Christ has triumphed over every work of darkness? Woo! So, and in that revelation, then Jesus destroyed it all. Can we come to a place, woo, just have fun. I love it. I just go for it. Bam. It's good news. It's good news. It's worth being drunk. It's worth being jacked up. This is the wine. This is what you're drinking. I only talk to enhance your bliss. <laughs> but listen, in the destruction of all of these things, can, can we at least agree that they're all rooted also on accusation, criti- criticism, and judgment? So Jesus came also, not just to remove devils and demons, not even just to fulfill the law, to remove the law, but he came to remove all accusation, all criticisms, all judgments. And this is going to be such a transformed place as we have communities that when someone walks in, they feel zero criticism from anyone. Like people that are thinking like God and manifesting like God in the sense that they are not able to criticize I mean, talk about if, 
if you ever are in a place where there's no criticisms and judgments, you watch as the people flock to that place. Whether it's a church or a bar, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a sporting event, a concert event, if there's a group of people in their consciousness, there's no criticism, you'll see how fast people are drawn to that atmosphere. And it's funny, like, just depending on a few people's consciousness, you can watch how things shift. Like, you go to most churches, there's a lot of criticism. I don't really like to, I don't enjoy that atmosphere. So I've also gone to other places, though. I'll go to a bar, and there's a lot of critical people at the bar. And they're like, well, that's a critical place. You'll go to, and, but when there's an atmosphere that's free from criticism, that is heaven's atmosphere. That is the mind of Christ manifesting. That, that's a place where the works of the devil have been cast out. They're like, well, there could be other issues. There could be other demonic strongholds manifesting there besides criticism. No, like when criticism, accusation, and judgments are removed, that's really the root of every other issue. And the other areas of the heart begin to be dealt with naturally. How can you say that so clearly? Because one of Jesus' primary things to release the atmosphere of heaven or to awaken us to the atmosphere of heaven was to remove criticisms and judgments, to remove the accusations. To remove the accusations. Oh my God, it's so good. So destroying the works of the devil wasn't just casting out those little green things under your bed or getting someone to spit in a cup. You know what I mean? But he came and he removed all criticisms, accusations, and judgments from our consciousness to remove the accuser that stood before you, usually in the right hemisphere of your brain, accusing you day and night before yourself, before the throne of God within you. And you're feeling, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. Those people don't like me. This place isn't, I can't do this. And all of a sudden the anointing's cut off. You feel no glory and you're just in shame. And oh my God. This is what Jesus came to completely drive out. To completely drive out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for removing the ruler of this world, for removing the principle that ruled this world, which was not good, which was the idea that we're not good enough. To remove that, to say you you are good. To remove to bring us back to the place of the original declaration over our life, which is it's good. It's good. Oh. oh, to hear that over our lives again it is good it is good that there's no accusation this a lot of times you can believe that over certain areas but what about, i just feel right now tenderness in the heart you know the heart of jesus like are there those certain areas where you still have just allowed yourself to be accused or where it's felt true those accusations jesus comes to make that original declaration over you again in that area in the hardest, the seemingly hardest areas of your heart, he's saying it's good. I made it good. I like it. I like what you like. I believe in what you're, what you're doing. I believe in your life. You might have gotten confused here and there, but I like where you're going. I say go for it. I can say go for it again. Ugh. You can tell when the glory is manifesting, the glory of Jesus, it's when you feel able to go for your dreams again. Mm. 
But when you're convinced that someone has a devil and everyone has a devil and there's a devil here and a devil there, it's the very thing that devils do. It's doctrines of demons, accusing everyone, bringing that atmosphere of accusation again. No wonder people don't want to walk into the church. <laughs> they're like, these people, as soon as I walk in, they're all looking for all my problems, right? It's like... They're staring at all my problems. It takes no glory to realize people's problems. That is the heart of the devil. (laughs) Someone walking in complete darkness can point out your problems, can accuse your problems. The Spirit of Christ points out your goodness. The Spirit of Jesus only looks and identifies your goodness. (laughs) Come on! Come on. This will tweak you out, dude. This will tweak us out, dude. Thank you, Father. All right, I want to just, oh my Lord. Okay, the last one I'm going to do tonight is that, this is the fifth one, right? We just, we just finished up how, how John 12 declares that Jesus came to cast out all the works of darkness. To, or First John says, destroy every work of the devil. It's all destroyed. And I want to end here just uh, on this last point, that Christ came revealing the all-God. Now this is uh, this that one you might not be super familiar with, but I I encourage you. Uh, there have been guys. Um, I think of a, I think of a guy Walter Lanyon probably brought that into my consciousness using that term the All God. There's some folks that use that term. I like it because uh, we're not thinking of God as separate anymore. There's this this you know. Whoa. But Christ came revealing the all-God. Romans 8, the inseparability of God and man. Nothing can separate you. Nothing. Not height or depth. Nothing can separate you. So, I mean, and this does mess with you again. This detoxes our Pentecostalism and the way we pray. You're talking to someone over there. You're talking to someone out there. You're talking to someone far away. Are you envisioning, when you pray, are you envisioning the throne of God up in heaven and somewhere? None of that is, is Christological. Christ reveals the all God. Christ reveals the kingdom of heaven is the only kingdom at hand. The only reality that's here. Hell is not at hand. The kingdoms of man are not at hand. There's only one reality at hand. That is heaven. Matthew 4.17 To reveal the world that has always been here, but we lost touch with it through the fall. The world of a happy God with happy kids. In a happy world where nothing can stop us. In a happy world where all is Christ. (laughs) You're walking down the street and all you see is Jesus. Everywhere, it's a Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, talking about drunk, they're like, man, if people really believe this, they're going to be real weird. They're going to, I don't know. All I know is it's scripture, dude. 
Colossians 3, set your mind on the things above. Above, not far away, but the things that are the higher reality, where Christ is seated. Colossians 3.11, where Christ is all and in all. Christ came to change our consciousness. Woo! Where you get to be aware of everything as God, not, not the devil. Not everything as the devil. <laughs> but everything as God. Where you get, you get to live free from problems because you see God in everything. Where you get to be, live free from challenges because you see God in everything. Where you get to live in heaven with no awareness of hell. No awareness of the kingdoms of man. Where you get to see Christ as your fellow man. You don't see weak, struggling people. Like I said before, like when, if you're thinking about a person's problem, you're believing in the devil's illusion reality. When you're thinking about their problems, you're aware of a consciousness that is not Christ. Christ came to reveal the all God. Oh my God. <laughs> this means you get to always have effortless fruit through Holy Spirit living in you. Why? Because you get to trust your thoughts again. You're like, is this me? Is this God? Well, I believe in the all God now. <laughs> now, if you have some weird thought that doesn't seem like it agrees with the fruit of the Spirit, you know, you may have just forgotten for a minute who you are. But, my God, as, you're, as your consciousness is of the all God, you will be able to flow from the heart at all times where you trust your heart again. The heart is no longer deceitfully wicked above all things. As much as they want to tell you, be careful about your heart. You, you might not be able to trust. You might sway back and forth. And when you're conscious of the all God, love, joy, peace, righteousness flow as the natural fruit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So every one of these areas and countless more, you know, are being revealed with power and clarity. The message of Jesus, I just truly still believe that it is the hope of all nations. That it is, oh my God, even the word hope isn't even, it is everything. You know, oh, like, I know it's still too scandalous to get a lot of people in here. <laughs> but as you just, just, Listen and hear. This gospel is transforming, dude. And it, wow, as this clarity pops, the dominoes will fall. Uh, I just want 10,000 preachers. I say this. I want to see 10,000 preachers out of Fort Wack of nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I just want to see. I, I believe it, dude. Of nothing. Of the nothing-like trance that comes from forgetting all but Christ and Him crucified. Woo! But let the revelation sink in until Christ is always the topic of your conversation. You can tell when someone's mostly talking about all the doing and the ministry and the, all the things and the works and the whatever, but that, that's, that's cool and everything. But let Christ become the topic of your conversation. That you're so aware and in love that Christ and the gospel is always on your lips, like you're beloved that you can't wait to talk about. Then evangelism becomes effortless. I guarantee you'll not even think about evangelism when you realize this message. <laughs> you're just so obsessed with how beautiful people are and you go you you're, end up talking to them about it 
and they're like, interesting, uh, I want to believe with you. Cool. The heart of Jesus, so intoxicating, guys. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you just stand with me? We'll just close. Can you, if you can stand, just stand. Put your hand on somebody. I just say, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Mm. We're leaving this this building with so much more revelation of Jesus than when we came in, guys. But we're leaving it the way we lived here, the way we were. Just knowing Christ is all in all. I don't even know what's going on, right? I don't know I don't know where but I know one thing guys I know Jesus I know he's in you I know I like seeing him in you every day I know I'm not getting tired of seeing Jesus in your face whatever challenges have come against you whatever might someone might be accusing you but Christ is just affirming and confirming us revealing not only the father but revealing us as always been in the father Revealing Jesus Christ, but not just revealing Jesus, but revealing us as Jesus. We're revealing us in Him. Woo! Revealing the nations, but revealing Christ in the nations. Not just the hope of future glory, but the realization of all our hopes and dreams. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah.